Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Platform. It's me, Tom. And this week, we're setting the scene for Augustine. Or if you're in America, Augustine. And then the rhyme works. But <laughs> So yeah, Augustine, Augustine, is a big character in the Middle Ages that brings together a whole series of worldviews. And he also comes to England... And as English people, that's very exciting. And where's he from? Algeria. Algeria. In Africa. But to, like, to set the scene for him, we need to understand a few concepts that will follow on from our last episode. Let's just recap a little bit from the last episode. That was about the axial age. I found this piece from Carl Jaspers, who's the guy who coins the phrase the axial age. All right, this is nice. He's a Swiss historian, and he authored something called The Origin of the Goal of History. This was in 1949. The opening paragraph says, It would seem that the axis of history is to be found in the period around 500 BC, in the spiritual process that occurred between 800 and 200 BC. It is there, about 500 BC, that we meet with the most deep-cut dividing line in history. Man as we know him today, brackets, mankind and his present civilizations, close brackets, came into being. For short, we may style this the axial period. There we go. Weighty words. And so that was what we were talking about last time. The axial period moves from the cyclical worldview of of thinking everything is kind of uh, in a cycle and... um, Stays the same. Stays the same, like you're, you're always staying within your position in society and moving to a a society that sees change as something that can be um, sought after and you can abstract yourself into the future and think what could I be and you can kind of go on a journey that takes you there and the Greeks the Hebrews the uh, Indians and the Chinese all come up with their own different ways of thinking about how to move into the future and become something else just a quick recap the Greeks were like rationality and scientific thought can bring you kind of to a a better understanding of the world and therefore you can have a better agency in the world and and become something better. The Indians through the Buddha see transcendent spirituality as your way of kind of shifting your mindset and becoming something else. And then in, in Hebrew thought, it's the idea of the Lord of Lords, who is the God who takes you from being a slave to being uh, free, it takes you to the promised land, and you go on this narrative arc which, which God leads you on. Um, and all these ways of, of seeing yourself into the future and getting into the future as something other than you are now are bound up in those different things. That is the best excla- explanation of the actual revolution you've ever given. Well, there we go. <laughs> I mean, I only told long. you about it a couple of months ago, so... There's probably better ones out there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm starting to understand it more. So this is important to you because it gives context to the Bible story as one of the ways that different groups of people kind of emerged out of this axis point of human history. Mm. Okay, You just needed to hear Carl Jasper say it, didn't you? Yeah. Someone other than me. Yeah. <laughs> Someone with some authority. Um, and could I clarify as well? So most of the Bible is written in that post-axial time. So this, that's a controversial statement, Amy. 
Yeah. So as in, as in, if we, if you take the um, mindset that the stories are based, obviously, uh, across all of history, that, but that it was written in a post-axial time, yeah. or that they are. So yeah, the Babylonian exile happens in this period. So five nine seven to five eight one BC, bang in the middle of the axial period. The, this, mm. this turning point that the Israelites are taken into captivity and they return in 539 BC and they have to obviously rebuild the temple but they also have to kind of rediscover their their scriptures again they probably have like things that maybe have been hidden in caves and they've been able to come back and get them but maybe not all of it's there and there's this the idea that they have to kind of rebuild their their bible their mm. old testament and retell their story and that, that retelling way. has a, has a very distinct post-axial mm. narrative to it there's, a, there's this kind of moving from slave to free so abraham goes from Ur, his where he's settled and has his cyclical life and he just goes out into the wilderness as led by this god and moses then goes through and, and one by one knocks off all of the egyptian pre-axial period gods to, to to bring about this post-axial god who's the god of all gods mm-hmm. and um, also brings all of the hebrew people from slavery yeah to freedom as well yeah, yeah absolutely so yeah the sticky point there is you have to kind of reevaluate what you think about the bible and when it was written or you could say that if, if it was written by moses then it was extraordinarily countercultural, and you know that's a uh, a way of, of seeing it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a radical guy. He was it was it was completely radical and and maybe even paved the way for other cultures to bring in mm. their own uh, post axial ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. So you could you can spin it both ways. Yeah. And that's the last time we will use the word radical because it's a very annoying word. <laughs> so we, we've seen these strands come out of the axial period and they weave together within themselves so in the greek strand there's like the weaving together of the different thinkers and somebody who we're going to look at called plotinus brings those ideas together and even across like within all histories you've got people that kind of take parts of the latent potential of kind of the ideas that are are contemporary and then they kind of bring them together in a way that kind of makes everyone go oh this makes sense and here's an analogy for you okay Mm -hmm. you've got an mp3 player you're in the 90s. Okay. I only ever had a, C- like a CD player. But oh, you, okay. So you've got a pocket music device. Mm-hmm. You've got a Filofax. Cool. Right? And maybe you've got a, a Nokia 3310. Yes, had one of those. Okay. So you've got all this technology, right? Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs pops up and goes, hey, guys, got an iPhone, right? It's got all of that. And, and here it is in one neat little package. That's mm-hmm. what Plotinus does. <gasps> And that's what Augustine does. All right. Are they also terrible capitalists? I've no idea. Steve Jobs had some Buddhistness. Take from that what you will. <laughs> so who are those two people again? Uh, Plotinus and Augustine. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, Plotinus comes first, and he ties yeah. together all of the Greek thinkers. Cool. So the people who came before him. So yeah. he's into neoplatonism that's what he comes that's what you yeah, call and it's Plotinus confusing stuff. so it's neoplatonism because he brings plato to the fore again yeah yeah yeah. but plutinus sounds a little bit like plato so that's confusing yeah. so it's a guy called plato talk no 
It's a guy called Plutinus talking about an old guy called Plato. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Neoplatonism also sort of involves Aristotle as well. Yeah. So let's make sure we got this straight, because I've jumped about a bit here. So imagine a tree that's upside down. Roots, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we want to get to somewhere at the top, which is Augustine, because he brings together three main branches of, of, of thinking in his time. Let's go down one of those branches, which is called Neoplatonism. And Hang on, is this a root or a branch? It's a. It's going downwards. Okay, so these are roots. Go down downwards. one route. He goes down one route, which is called Neoplatonism, and and at, at the bottom of that route, it splits into mm-hmm. like Plato, Aristotle, and other Greek thinkers. Cool. So we're going to go in reverse now, starting down at the bottom and going mm-hmm. our way up. All right. Hopefully that visually makes sense. Bottom up approach. So Plotinus, he's. 204 to 270 BC, and he lived in uh, Roman Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ties together some of the main Greek, Greek thinkers. I just thought, it's mad, isn't it? The Roman Empire. Like, so all these guys are essentially Romans, aren't they? Because they're yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. Roman Empire. And Paul was also a Roman citizen. Like, yeah, it was huge. It was, and it went on for such a long time. That's mm, mm. I've just had a little sort of like. Well, Plotinus is coming to the brain. end of the Roman yeah. Empire. Things are, fe- are starting to feel a little bit shaky, yeah. and people are feeling it everywhere in, in the Roman Empire. It's not holding together anymore as, mm. as nicely as it as it as it could do. But so, let's start with one of these roots that branches up into Neoplatonism, and that's the ideas of Aristotle. And this is where. You have the idea of the one. What about Aristotle's idea of the one relates to why this is important? Why does it relate to Christianity? Why is that important? Why do we just tie it in? Yeah. So what Augustine does is he, he uses Christianity to answer a few different questions. And he relates the one to God in the Bible. He makes this mm. connection of this jump of like, the one is God mm. and Jesus is the the human that is filled with this with this oneness. Mm-hmm. And he basically he creates a parallel between this Greek thought and this Christian thought. Mm-hmm. And he also um, does the same thing with Gnosticism, which we'll come on to in a way that means all of the Greek thinking will go, oh, we see what Jesus is according oh, to our right, okay. worldview. And, and he does the same with the, with the Gnostics as well. And, he, okay. and, and so he kind of brings about this, this iPhone of like um, thought that everyone wants. Mm. So if you're really, really into your MP3 player, you'd look at it and go, oh, cool, that's relevant for me because I can play mm-hmm. music on it. Mm-hmm. If you're really into your texting, yeah. like sweet, I could text on that thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, analogy aside, um, so Augustine basically looked at the world and went, well, there's all these different strands of thought, uh-huh. and I think Christianity is really, really important. I think yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah. is really, really and important. And I think within Christianity, I can see the Greek thought, and I can bring it into it. Mm. I, I can unify all these things into, yeah, into one yeah. thing. And he unifies it so well that it lasts for a thousand years. Cool. Like, so he basically just shows everyone why Jesus is relevant to them. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. Cheesy way of saying it. Cool, podcast done. 
So the idea of this one, it's latent within kind of the Bible. There is this all-powerful being who in some situations is kind of cosmic and above all things, right? Mm -hmm. And has to use mediators to kind of bring his plan into fruition on the earth. So you have like Moses, who has to go up to the top of the mountain, climb the hierarchy, go into the clouds to where the one is and come down with something concrete. Mm, that try can and translate then... what it possibly meant. Yeah. Okay. And so the, the thing, the law, is like this chair. It's like this is a fixed version of it. But mm. what it, it, it really is could maybe be re represented in different ways. Yeah, yeah. So this is like a limited, understandable version of the... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah. so throughout the Bible, we have all sorts of different things. Like God is a shepherd. God is an eagle. He's a mother hen. He's a rock. He's, you know, all these different mm. physical things. But he isn't actually any of those physical things. Mm. Those are things that you can handle and, and have a physical form that you can look at and get an idea of how they point towards what God is. So, yeah, this was something that was in, in Aristotle's Greek thinking of, like, there are all these different forms of things, but they're all pointing towards something which is the essence of them all. And mythologically speaking, that is the one that holds the blueprint, the design mm. for all these different things. And all we're doing is kind of taking the essence of them and, and, and making, to a greater and lesser extent, versions of it but there is a there's a perfect one but the perfect one cannot be put into actually any form mm -hmm. and the other part of the mythology from aristotle's point of view is to to provide this uh, mediator who takes the information from the one and tells humans or imparts it into natural objects and that character is called the demiurge which is greek for craftsman mm -hmm. so this demiurge is the one who takes the blueprints passes them down like maybe inspires humans to craft things in a particular way mm -hmm. so there's this hierarchy from the pure light down into humanity and, and the human being is the crossover point between the spiritual world and the physical world because they have a they have a physical body but they're able to have kind of what Aristotle probably call a soul or something that can be inspired. Like you can't really inspire a dog to create something. Mm. You can't inspire animals, but humans have this potential to kind of be at the nexus of physical and spiritual where they can be given a spiritual insight and then they can use that to actually create things in the world. And then, so the hierarchy goes to humans and just below humans, you have animals who are, who are more like just physical form without any spiritual ability to kind of create. Mm. And then below that, you've got plants below that you've got like mineral. And then beneath that, you've got like just pure chaos where everything becomes pulled apart. Okay. So, so that you're, that you That's were describing Aristotle and his yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that uh, sort of people in the kind of Greek Roman Empire Western philosophy world would be very familiar with and mm -hmm, it would be part mm -hmm. of the way they think and evaluate things in the world yeah, yeah, yeah. and Augustine ties that into Christianity yeah, yeah. and helps them to appreciate the idea of a hierarchy yeah, yeah, of God yeah. and Jesus and humans he, he he ties it in via Plotinus who kind of creates neoplatonism mm. so here's a nice way of thinking about it okay the one is the most real 
the most integrated. You can't you can't pull apart the one and and find any division. That's at the very top. At the bottom is chaos, and that is the least real. Okay, it's the least ordered. It's the least one. Mm, it's actually it's, it's the most fractured. Okay, um, and as you so as you go down in this hierarchy you become more fragmented less intelligible less understandable more chaotic and how does that relate to christianity so yeah it gets tied in in the idea of like above is good and you're trying to kind of lift yourself out of chaos yeah yeah lift yourself up to to be more like christ Mm. and christ i guess you see christ as ordered and in control and not fragmented same heart, same mind, same spirit as God. Mm-hmm. Like, so he, he, there's this upward ascent that you want to make. Paul realising that, you know, he's, he's torn. Like, he has his flesh that wants to do one thing, which is kind of go downwards mm-hmm. into chaos and fulfil its own desires. But he, he realises that when he does that, things become chaotic and fragmented. But when he wants to serve the spirit, he understands that he's kind of going on an upward trajectory towards more control self-control more unity more and this is this idea of, of more real like having i have more agency in the world when i actually think spiritually than when i'm just following my own basic desires so to go upwards in this kind of hierarchy is to find more form more beauty you become more realized more integrated but going downwards is you're you're losing truth, you're losing goodness, you're losing beauty, you're going down towards evil. So within Christianity, it's like heaven's up, hell is below. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a big part of it. Okay. Is that making sense? Yeah, yeah. So Augustine basically was a Christian, but realised there was all these other ways of thinking in the world. And through his writing... Um, sort of tied them all in together so that's how he tied in neoplatonism that's how he ties in the aristotelian part of neoplatonism oh flip there are other parts what other bits do we need to talk about that he tied in so he also ties in what plato does the 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 integration of plato and aristotle is through plotinus neoplatonism augustine just brings those those two things together so just a little bit about plato you have Plato's cave that we talked about. Okay. Just to kind of... We're jumping into a whole other thing now. So, just to recap. We're setting the scene for Augustine, or Augustine, as it should be pronounced. And he's important because he brings lots of ideas together under the umbrella of Christianity, which gives more depth to the concept of Christianity, but also makes it accessible for lots of other people. Yeah. And specifically... He uh, brings in Neoplatonism. That's sort of everyone in the. So who would who would know about Neoplatonism? Is that the kind of Roman Empire? Western yeah, a people? lot of the Roman world. Okay. Yeah. And he also brings in Gnosticism. And is that the same group of people who would be familiar with that, or is he reaching out to a different group of people? Uh, so Gnostics would be aware of Neoplatonism as well. Okay, so he's basically like this is just a way of everybody in the Western world that he would be yeah. aware of. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've talked about how he brings in Neoplatonism because there's the Aristotle stuff, which is about there being a hierarchy. We're going to talk about how he brings in the Plato bit of Neoplatonism 
And then after that, we're going to talk about the Gnosticism bit that he also ties in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about that. Okay, so Pluto, go. Plato, go. It's <laughs> too many um, names. So Plato has the idea of anagogue, or if you're American, anagoge, or something like that, uh, which is the idea of ascent. So Aristotle has the idea of this hierarchy, and Plato brings about the idea in which you can ascend the hierarchy. All right, so Plato okay. coming out of the cave, which we talked about in our intro or in an episode or even the last episode, where you have, you reject the kind of the shadows on the wall. Yeah, like a 2D shallow impression of what the world is. To find reality. And that's by leaving the cave and, and heading towards this sunlight. And the sunlight's blinding, but you kind of adjust new. And every time you're adjusting, you're ascending further. So it's like this idea of like, like Paul with his, like, understanding of his body being sinful and his spiritual life being kind of more towards God, there's this thing of, like, fighting the battle or, or moving up in, 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 this, in this climb towards... Enlightenment, in, basically. The light yeah. and towards God and towards this pureness that um, you keep on kind of slipping back down into and moving forward and, and all that stuff. And, so, and also the idea that it's the 3D world that the, the person sees when they leave the cave is so completely different to the 2D world that they've been used to. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. It's beyond even being able to describe it when they go yeah. back to get their friends. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, enlightenment of just, like, enormous understanding, like, enfolding mm-hmm, in front mm-hmm. of you. Yeah, and so for each step you take more of reality floods in and then you conform to that you like adjust to that and you're like okay this is my reality now i'll take another step okay and i'm afforded more information and it's this reciprocal opening that's happening with the world in which the more i i, I go towards the truth the more in which i can be an agent of truth and therefore i reciprocally my options open in terms of understanding what's real and what's true and how i get towards the top and and become like mm-hmm. more one okay more so this is like a super post axial idea of yeah. i can, can keep keep learning new yeah. things that are going to blow my mind and yeah. i can become a better person and this gets taken up by the scientific worldview it's like the more science we know the more we can be in control of everything the more we can mm-hmm. have agency in the world unfortunately that means the more we can destroy our world it's yeah. kind of the anyway that's another another topic so that's plato and aristotle and plotinus brings those two ideas together mm-hmm. and says okay you're talking about the same thing in this in in some senses we need to work out a way to practice this kind of ability to transcend things mm-hmm. and the kind of idea of like a moral battle that i think yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean i don't know a huge amount about Catholicism because I've never been one but I've been a Protestant and I know that that's a lot of the messaging is kind of battling onwards it's you know it's yeah, a moral yeah, yeah, yeah. battle yeah which is interesting yeah. like lame is because Jaya. one of the biggest things about actual Christianity is that it is termed a fight or a race mm. but it's very much there's also a paradox in terms of which it's actually Jesus who does all the work and you have to kind of trust him as your guide there's an an element to which it's not so much or it shouldn't be so much of a struggle it should be something that you kind of give yourself to Mm. and you can be almost uh lifted up on the 
wind of what Jesus kind of brings into your life rather than trying to climb it like it's a mountain or like it's some sort of amazing feat that you have to undertake. So that's what Plotinus does. He brings together those main strands from, from Greek philosophy and creates Neoplatonism. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, Augustine sees this in the Bible and says, ah, here's the here's the parallels here come on guys let's Please come together and work together. on this in, in a similar way right so this next bit my audio goes funny because i forgot to turn my microphone on and it was it was a good take and uh and i can't bother to record it again and maybe doesn't want to record it again so I just put up with some bad audio sorry and then the other thing he said was gnosticism i don't know anything about gnosticism so Gnosticism was also just a general world worldview at the time. And Augustine ties this into Christianity. Yeah, so he it's less like he ties into Christianity. It's more like he provides an answer to the problem that Gnosticism uh, puts out into the world. Okay, and, and so what is the problem that Gnosticism puts out in the world? It's the problem of suffering. Mm -hmm. Because it sees Aristotle's worldview of this pure being at the very top and the demiurge that imparts wisdom to humans in order to kind of create things mm -hmm. in different forms, gives them those essences, inspires them in some sort of way. Okay, so the demiurge is like this kind of conduit between this great higher being of ideals and then humans who need a sort of physical version of those things, yeah. And in, and in Aristotle's worldview, the demiurge is kind of benevolent. Mm-hmm. Which means good guy. He's a good guy. But the Gnostics say, but everything's going really badly wrong. Mm -hmm. Like all these things that we make in terms of our governance, our society, our structures, the, the physical forms mm -hmm. of things, they get ill, they break. They're like, are we sure this Demiurge is a good guy? Mm -hmm. Or is he actually some malevolent character, some evil character? Which means bad guy who is throwing things out into the world to actually obscure the true knowledge of things. And gnosis mm. means knowledge, secret knowledge. He's obscuring the re the real world. So this is kind of the matrix sort of thing. Okay. Right? Where it's like where you're being you're being preoccupied by this um demiurge, this bad guy, when actually there's a real world out there that is not in physical form it's spiritual form mm. and and you um you said this was similar to uh like conspiracy theories mm. so yeah, yeah so i guess yeah so i guess gnosticism if it's called secret knowledge mm -hmm. that's very much a kind of uh, that really meets a need of people who really enjoy conspiracy yeah, theories yeah, yeah. isn't so it conspiracy theories today is like uh there is there's this world order that are, that, are, that are manipulating things in a way to distract us. And yeah. then it's a distraction. So there's like a truth. There's a reality and a truth. Yeah. But there's people with some kind of authority who are getting in the way and distracting us from it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so that, that applies. There's like a that's that's Gnosticism in terms of the Greek world. There's Gnosticism in terms of the Hebrew world as well, mm -hmm. in which, um, the, you know, so the God of the Bible in a similar way, imparts the law to the Hebrews as a, as a guide and a way to live your life and, and um, you know, live justly, walk humbly and all those sorts of things. Uh, and, and obviously God is benevolent in the Bible, 
but the, the Gnostics, again, they, they see this as like, are we sure this God is good? Because mm. if I try and follow the law, I, I actually end up suffering quite a lot because I, I keep on making mistakes and slipping up and stuff. Mm. And, and stuff happens that doesn't seem to be anyone's fault and yeah, all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so maybe Yahweh is actually uh, evil as well. And so mm. you get Gnostic uh, creation myths where the serpent is a good guy because he's exposing um, and he's saying to Adam, you know, you could be like the gods, you could be spirit, mm. you could be closer to the one. Yeah, there's actually a conspiracy. Yeah. Like, yeah. so Yahweh is saying that you can't be like this. And I'm telling you, yeah, you can actually because it's been hidden from you. In the Gnostic um, Garden of Eden story, God, God's covering of Adam and Eve is not with animal skins. Well, it is with, but the animal skins are, uh, are seen as your actual physical body, your skin. God, God encases you in physical form. Mm, so stops so, them being spirits. Yeah. And, kind of limits them. And so what Augustine does is he says, Jesus comes and shows us the one more completely and more purely and provides us with this way of accessing the spiritual realm in a, in a more profound way in a more direct way that defeats the evil of, of the world the demiurge and i guess people who, who have a gnostic hebrew worldview could see that as well as kind of the fulfillment of the law and like the the, the showing it because there's obviously you know, it's been pointed out a lot. There's a distinction between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. That's something that often Christians try to integrate those those two kind of ways of seeing God together because they seem to be very different. So that that provides kind of an answer to the Gnostics of like, yeah, the world is bad, but Jesus is kind of kind of broken through and and shown us the truth, the real way to get to mm -hmm. God. It's not through the law, it's through this thing called faith and love, this agape which draws you up through Aristotle's um, worldview to the, to the top in, in, in a way of anagoge that Plato describes and that, that is an answer to the Gnostics problem as well. Now of course Gnosticism then carries on and kind of I guess Christians would say would has corrupted Christianity as well because it does the same thing with Christianity later on. It turns that on its head and says actually, you know, makes up all this other stuff about Jesus. Basically any conspiracy theory you've ever heard about There's Jesus. actually a secret knowledge behind the Gospels and you get the Gnostic Gospels and you get Judas as like a hero rather mm. than a villain and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, okay. that's kind of like a bit of a 101 on, on okay. understanding Gnosticism. So Gnosticism then is basically kind of scepticism and conspiracy theory-esque yeah, 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 yeah. thought. And at the time, you could be a Gnostic when you thought about the way the Greeks considered the world. And you could say, yeah, sure, there's this, there's this great, you know, higher ideal of all this stuff. But actually, it keeps going wrong. So the demiurge that translates it must be a bad person. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, look at the the Hebrew worldview. But actually, why does stuff keep going wrong? Oh, it must be because Yahweh himself is bad. Mm -hmm. um, and then Augustine kind of says, but look at Jesus. Um, you know, Jesus transcends all of these things and it's like a perfect conduit. Mm. But so what does Augustine say about the Old Testament Yahweh then? I don't know. Um, okay. I think he 
he provides an answer to those Gnostics, but I don't think he believes himself in like Gnostic mm-hmm. um, Old Testament. Okay. So. Cool. If anyone knows, yeah. tell us what did yeah. Augustine think about Yahweh? So if you want to do a little bit of extra geeking out, that Aristotelian worldview of the one at the top and chaos at the bottom, that is called the nomological order. All right? So the thing with the demiurge in it and humans and then animals, plants, matter, that's the nomological order. Mm-hmm. What Plato gives us with the cave that Plotinus links in with that, this idea of that you can ascend it, you can, you can traverse it, you can move through it, that's the normative order. Mm-hmm. And then the narrative order is what the Christian world brings. It's like this this story of how you do that. It's through the love of Jesus. And the narrative of the Jesus story is the kind of the third part of the narrative order. So the norm the normative order kind of sets the scene. The nomological order provides you with the kind of the desire to transcend it. And the narrative order actually makes that real in your life. The great story about the course of history moving towards a final consummation, the kingdom, all right, is this narrative order. And you're going to get to mm-hmm. this place. It, and, and it brings it all together. And that's what's, and Augustine puts all three of these orders together, the nomological, the normative and the narrative in a mutually sustaining fashion. And he provides coherence. And this is the idea that the more intelligible, the more real things are and, and that, that how they fit together, the more meaningful you find your life. So Plotinus does this with the Greek thinking. He makes them coherent together. And so they fit and they're more intelligible as a whole. Mm-hmm. And Augustine does this with, with the three things that we've talked about. Yeah, so um, next time we're going to now see what the Protestant Reformation does to this world okay i was gonna say so this is all very interesting but how does it so but this is a podcast for christadelphians so Mm -hmm. why is it important for christadelphians to know about this yeah so we've set all this up now to herald the protestant reformation and to see like what what happens there in terms of worldviews because there's a separation whereas previously we've been kind of synchronizing things and Mm -hmm. providing new integrated holes protestantism comes along and goes we're going to take some of this and we're going to separate it out from the mainstream and we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to live this christianity in a very different mm-hmm. way that actually cuts away things rather than adds things to them i mean you could argue that augustine in his bringing together of everything gathers up some greek ideas and that's where we kind of get the idea of hell and the devil and things that christadelphians mm. will go these aren't this isn't in the bible yeah right so he, it's, all, it's all been scooped together mm-hmm. and now we've kind of got to pick out all the crud that's been gathered up mm. with these greek ideas and these uh, and, and to appease these gnostic ideas and that's where the um yeah the protestant reformation comes along tune in next time for the protestant reformation all right Thanks very much for listening. Thanks again to the WCF for supporting this project.